Hello, everybody. Oh, wait. Hi, baby. Are you ready? Is this thing on? <laughs> what is going on here? Have you turned your brain on yet? Uh, no, let's try it again. Is this still booting up? Ready? Yeah, okay, do it again. You ready, baby? Is this thing on? Jimmy? He's, he's asleep I, or he's drunk. I can't well, tell. Well, we've, we've learned how to do same. this without him, so yeah. we don't really need him. Yeah. Welcome back to all of our 7.6 million listeners. We appreciate you returning time and time again to spend some time with us. We got some new listeners. I'll talk about that at the end of the show. Uh, what show is this? This is called Counting Worms. Oh, that's It's good. a podcast. Now, a lot. there's a lot of buzz right now about the movie. Yeah. But this isn't it. This is this just is not the podcast. It. Yeah. And uh, my name is Sarah. And I'm Scott. Yeah. And we're married. Yeah. Oh. Happily. Yes. Yes. Oh, <sighs> marital bliss. That's that's what we project. That's right. A baby. You are, are you saying that that's not true? No, I'm saying that's <laughs> what we project. Oh, okay. Because it's true. Yes. I mean, that's, you, you know, perception is reality. That's right. So this is a theme-isode. It is. And uh, we won't tell you what it is yet, but you'll find out soon enough. That's right. Is there anything else before we get into our other stuff? Uh, there is a one thing. Worm news, worm news, body time, excellent. <laughs> Go. I don't you pass me around. <laughs> Where's my beating stick? Uh-huh. No, it's in the shop. Uh, actually, someone brought me a beating stick, mm-hmm. and I'm going to paint it. And oh. then once it's painted, I'm going to beat you with it. <laughs> nice. Something yeah, to look and it's forward very to. long, so I can reach you if from there. If I had there. a dollar. Uh, then... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That's... Enough. Uh, Jimmy, just edit everything he says from this point forward and from a minute no ago more, backwards out of the whole show. No more playground humor. Um, no this is jokes. not Beavis and Butthead. This is uh. Counting Worms. <laughs> yeah. All right. Can we start over? Can we just start the whole show over? Jimmy, cut it all out. All right. This is. All right. Here we go. <sighs> and I'm not even enjoying go. the show anymore. And go. So I decided to keep with today's theme and worm news, and everybody can guess what it is when I'm done. Right. Just this month in Douglas County, Georgia, a sheriff's deputy had a run-in with the baddest kind of criminal. Yeah. The worst of the worst. Uh Uh-oh. She returns to her squad car to find the perp, not only in her cruiser, destroying her paperwork, but they went on to assault her. When she demanded they exit the vehicle. Oh, no. Told you, the worst of the worst. Mm -hmm. The deputy was at a home to serve civil papers that she's learned from past experience residents do not like to receive. I'll bet. Yeah. So in the past, she's had numerous encounters with vicious dogs. So she's learned to leave her squad car door open in the event she has to make a hasty retreat. When some unethical homeowner releases dogs to chase her. Mm. So, sadly, that happens. However, in this situation, the deputy returns to find herself in a completely different hairy situation. And, of course, it was all caught on her body camera. And this time, a goat had entered her squad car and was making quick work of eating all her paperwork. A goat? A goat. Chomp, 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 chomp. You had one of those. I did have one for a short time. Yes. As she attempted to get the goat to exit the vehicle, and she tried to remove the paperwork from the goat's mouth, it decided it did not like her intrusion on its snack. Hmm. So it head-butted her in the knees and knocked her to the ground. So it knee-butted her? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Thankfully, though, she was unharmed, and apparently she has a very good sense of humor because she allowed the entire video to be posted. However, in the end, the perp got away with both destruction of public property and assault. Wow. Goats today. Goats today, man. I'm telling you. I mean, that's why they say, don't let it get your goat. Right. That's, that's why they say that? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm guessing. Oh, well, I'm, not, I'm still not going to say what the theme is. Maybe they're they've picked up guess. on some of it. But we do have a song here, so I'm going to play that. And um, 
They'll figure it out from there. You ready? They might. You ready? Yeah, let's do it. You ready, baby? Go for it. I like dogs and cats, hamsters, and the occasional bird. People's interest in dangerous animals to me is absurd. Contact with wild animals can lead to trouble unforeseen. That's why I'm okay referring to myself as indoorsy. <laughs> Bring the camel home, you could take a hoof to the face. Getting mauled by animals isn't rare, it's commonplace. Being ripped apart by a silverback is not on my bucket list. I'd rather sit in my recliner and watch gorillas in the mist. Wild animals can kill you. Strike that. Wild animals are gonna kill you. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. You like that one, babe? Yeah, I do. Good. Yeah. I like yeah. the, I, uh, I have, have to doff my cap to Jim Gaffigan yeah. for the indoorsy line. Yeah. Well, and like he says, uh, when animals and humans get too close for comfort, he yeah. said, you know, he likes to keep the relationship professional. That's right. And after today's episode, people will know why. I can't believe these stories. Oh, they're pretty God. good. Yes, it, it it does make you want to keep the human world and the animal world kind of separated. Yeah, definitely separated. <clears throat> All right, should I start? Let's do it. All right, first story. You would say that you're an animal lover, would you not? Uh, absolutely. Okay, and what is the top destination on your bucket list? Africa. Okay, so this this. First story involves Africa. It doesn't involve the Great Migration, but it does take place on a game farm. Oh. I've never heard that term before, but I kind of... It's you know. it's not really a good thing. It's not usually. a good thing? A game farm. I think that's where they raise things to shoot. Oh. Isn't it? Well, I don't know, but it's on a, it's on a game farm in the Limpopo province of South Africa, near the town of Messina. Mm -hmm. Now, for those of you who haven't been listening very long, you know that Sarah here is a geography buff. You know, you've done some research in Messina, right? You've sure. never been there. but Never been there. You wrote a paper on it, didn't you? I did. Yeah. So we'll put that up online so you guys can read that. <laughs> sure you, yeah, depend on Scott to do that. <laughs> yeah, I'll get to it right away. I don't know if we have any listeners in that area. I guess we do for we Cape do. Town and yeah. Johannesburg. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, good. Hi, guys. All right. So this story focuses on a 25-year-old gal by the name of Marike. It's M-E-R-I-K-E. Marike. Marike Engelbrecht. Marike. I'll just call her Marike Engelbrecht, who's staying at this game farm with her whole family. They're... They're, they've made a family journey to this place to celebrate a variety of things, including her one-year anniversary to her husband, Aww. Juan Engelbrecht, as well as her mother's 50th birthday and also Mother's Day. Wow. So they, they got the whole family there, and she brought along her two German short-haired pointer dogs. Are you familiar with that breed? A little bit. Do you know anything about them? Are, you know, are they dangerous? Do you know? You wouldn't think so. I mean, they're, but they are hunting dogs. Okay. Well, if you guys are regular listeners, you've heard the story about the weenie dogs. Well, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, they're all yeah, but weenie dogs are hunting dogs as well. That's true. Well, on this particular morning that this incident takes yes. place, um, Marik grabbed her two pups and headed out for a walk through the game farm. Mm -hmm. Sounds nice. Mm -hmm. The articles refer to it as a game farm, and I I looked it up. I couldn't find exactly what it is, but it sounds to me like it's a it's like a wild animal preserve type. Well, thing. Well, that would be nice. Okay, so she's gone for a while, and her family gets their first clue that something may be wrong when one of her dogs arrives back at the lodge uh, alone, alone and without her, and with her their leash still on. Uh oh. So a group of family members, including her brother, went out searching for her. Now let's take a break and let's talk briefly about giraffes. We love giraffes, don't we? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. We love feeding them at the zoo. We happen to have a couple of great mm -hmm. zoos in our area, Dallas and Fort Worth. We love their long tongues and their mm -hmm. kind of, don't, they have kind of a dim look about them, don't they? Mm, I don't they know. Don't, do they look like the sharpest tool mm. in the, no? Well, I, I don't know. They, they look sweet. They're very sweet. And I mean, it, they let and even encourage people, including small children, to feed them. So I think the general consensus Aww. is they're not dangerous. Well, perhaps. they have pretty strict rules, though. Yeah. Well, 
But have you ever seen a two-year-old holding up a piece of lettuce for the... Right. Okay, mm-hmm. so, you know, they're relatively harmless creatures. <laughs> <laughs> you think this is a setup? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've just... I watched Nat Geo. Oh, that's right. Okay, you cheated. <laughs> All right, so according... Yeah. Well, according to police spokeswoman, <laughs> Lieutenant <laughs> Colonel Ronald Otto, uh, they believe the story kind of played out like this. Uh-huh. Marik was walking her two dogs... And they came upon a giraffe. Uh-huh. It's kind of kicking it old school, you know, right. doing its own doing thing. Its thing. And one of her dogs got loose and ran toward and startled the giraffe. Mm-hmm. Um, it's believed that the giraffe became agitated and violent in an attempt to protect its young calf, oh, who was no. out of sight but very nearby. Right. So Marie snatched up one their other dog and then quickly went to grab the other one fearing that the giraffe would hurt it. I mean, it's the size difference is huge. Astronomical, uh, yes. When she got fairly close to the giraffe, the giraffe kicked Marique in the back of the neck. And mm. Colonel Otto said, It was a terrible accident. Uh-huh. It appears the animal kicked out sharply as she walked close to it. It's impossible. I'm sorry. Let me take that back. it's possible the dog scared the giraffe and the animal reacted on instinct to protect her young calf the impact would have been enormous and we believe the victim would have died instantly and scene family friend William Smith told local (laughs) newspaper Beald that's the name of the paper that Marik was a special person who was well loved she touched the lives of everyone around her. She was a nature lover. She was at her happiest in the veld. In the what? Have you ever heard of that word, veld? No. Okay, what is I it? I don't know. I'm guessing in the wild. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. It was a total freak accident. Now he's from England. Yeah, he's, he's a well-traveled person. <laughs> she gave her life to protect her dogs. Mm. The end. Mm. So. Have you ever seen giraffes fight? No. I don't watch Nat Geo as much as you do. They they use their necks and their heads and they whack the crap out of each other. Really? Yeah. What about their feet? I, do they kick too? Well, they, they can, but they're, no. Only humans? Yeah. Because <laughs> humans are small. Right. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say that it, it used its head and it, and it just leaned down and like, like yeah. a croquet ball. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not what happened this time. But yeah, they like they like wrap their necks around each. They like arm wrestle, but with their necks. Wow! And they like bang each other in the head. We'll have to check. They out have YouTube. little horns, you know. Yeah. All right. So if you've seen a couple of them fight, I mean, it's it's pretty wild looking, and you just wouldn't really want to get in the middle of that. No, you know, I mean. You got to think of how powerful their necks must be. Sure. I have trouble holding up my circus-sized head, too. Yeah, so imagine if it was that tall. (laughs) If my head was... (laughs) It was way up there. 15 feet above (laughs) my... Oh, my Lord. (laughs) All right, baby. Clap your hands, everybody. (laughs) And everybody just clap your hands. Next story. Nice. I'm so glad that's back. Ah, It's back in black, yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you. So my first story changes the lighthearted fun of our worm news story. Uh-oh. I mean, when you're thinking of, quote, dangerous animals, you probably don't think of goats. Even our sheriff's deputy had her papers eaten by one and then was knocked to the ground after suggesting to the goat it should find a more nutritious meal elsewhere. But she was laughing. I mean, mm-hmm. most people would think dangerous animals and they think lions and tigers and bears oh my she lived to tell the tale right but let's not completely rule out the goat at least not yet not at the beginning of the show right there is actually a childhood goat trauma foundation what (laughs) for the goats themselves or for the kids that were traumatized by the goats (laughs) hard to say no i think it's for the children okay and they've done some research that's a little creepy for instance in the united states alone six thousand people are traumatized by goats every year and the world word traumatized means attacked uh, and that, but that ra- that can range from minor scrapes and bruises to permanent disabilities or death. Jeez. Of course, this is only for the United States. 
uh, on what's reported. Uh, and it's only for things that are reported. Not just a kid at a petting zoo that gets head-butted in the rear end and falls headfirst into the straw but ends up being perfectly fine. That doesn't get reported, you Fucking know. Fucking goats, I'm telling you. So they were able to prove that goats prefer to attack us over each other four out of five times. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Which makes sense because we don't have horns. And that nine out of ten goats will prefer human fibers to natural ones. Human fibers? Yeah. So whatever, like clothing that we're wearing or, you know. So basically they're gunning for us. You know. And that leads me to my first story. Okay. Robert Boardman, age 63, set out for a short hike with his wife and one of their very close friends on a mountain trail at Olympic National Park in Washington. Sounds nice. Yeah. And people love this popular trail because it's relatively short and it's easy access because it's close to town. So you can make it there and back without it being a day project, you know. And as the trio headed up the trail, they came across a particularly aggressive mountain goat. And this ram was guarding the trail and behaving rather unruly. Okay. Now, since most of us have never encountered an aggressive mountain goat or any kind of mountain goat, and we typically only encounter like those little baby billy goats at a petting zoo, Mm -hmm. I'd like to describe an actual mountain goat. Okay. Mountain goats are those white, fluffy-looking goats with the black horns. Oh, yeah. That do not curl backwards like bighorn sheep. No, no, no. They point straight up and are sharp, more like how people draw the devil. Oh. You know what I mean? They go kind of straight up. Okay. Even the females have horns. And frankly, they look like they've been juicing up on steroids. They've got like big arms and big chests, you know? So they have big chests and they're horny, horned? Mm. They look like a strong quarter horse mated with an ox or a yak. Oh, jeez. But you make them short, a bit taller and a whole lot stronger and heavier than, say, a Rottweiler. And you see, these bad boys are big. The males are 300 pounds, 140 kilograms, or more. And females average 181 pounds or 82 kilograms. And their head would be about chest high on me with the top of their horns a little higher. Wow. These are big animals. Sounds scary. Yeah. Heavy. These are big, They're, heavy animals. It's like you take our little Frenchie and enlarger. And, and, and uh, that's kind of what you're talking about. <laughs> They're stout. But, yeah. I mean, these things are stout. Mm-hmm. They're built more like an ox, but they have all the ripply muscles. Because like they have the to climb horse. up those rocks yes. and everything. And, yeah. I mean, these things, these things are stout. So back to the story. Yeah. Robert and his wife and friend encounter an aggressive male. Not the little petting zoo goat a formidable adversary. And so Robert was an experienced hiker and he knew he didn't want them getting any closer to this guy because he was, he was mean. So he, he sent the other two headed back down the trail and he stayed behind hoping to shoo the goat away. Mm -hmm. Now I've seen a picture of Robert age 63, a hiker he did not look beefed up on steroids. <laughs> he didn't look And the stout. goats do. Uh-huh. He was not 300 pounds or more. The goat was. And these are all facts that I think the goat also recognized. <laughs> Although the exact attack was not witnessed, the other two headed back down heard Robert scream. And apparently his attempt to shoo the goat and frighten it away was unsuccessful. As the other two in his party returned to see what had happened, along with others on the trail, what they saw was Robert gored in the thigh, bleeding profusely and motionless, with the goat standing over him and refusing to allow anyone to render aid. Goats. Yeah, I'm telling you. One of the fellow hikers was actually a park scientist, very familiar with the goats, And even with his experience and history of studying the animals, that call for help was at 1230, and it took until 120 to get the animal away from Robert so they could attempt CPR. But by then, there was no pulse, 
and they still had to have another hiker assigned to keep an eye on the goat because that goat did not want to give up Robert's body. So 20, Goats today! I'm telling you. So 20 <laughs> minutes later, the Coast Guard arrived with a helicopter for Robert, but at the hospital, he was pronounced counting sheep eternal. Oh. The notorious goat was hunted down and easily identified by its horns still covered in Robert's blood. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it planned on taking a trophy, and that's the only reason it was guarding his body. (laughs) So, not for nothing is the sign of the devil the goat. (laughs) Just saying. Wow. There's one mean goat. (laughs) We've had stories about animals you wouldn't expect to be really, like, what was it, a badger? Was it a a beaver? A beaver. A beaver. A a a beaver's like, I'm not taking a selfie. Yeah. Look, bastard, I said no. (laughs) (laughs) I said no. (laughs) And it went after the femoral artery. It was like, I'm not going to tell you no again. (laughs) (laughs) No means no. (laughs) Mountain goats, I'm telling you. I mean, I'm stay away from I, them, I, folks. I, I am. I am going to post a, a, a picture of what mountain goat actually looks like. And when you see these things, they are ripped up. I mean, I, I feel like if you saw one, you would instinctively know that you shouldn't just try to shoo it away. I mean, right. I would. They're three hundred pounds, and they're like they're like stacked, and they've got horns. If it's standing there saying, I'm sorry, you can't pass, then I'm going to say, all right, brother. I'll find another trail. Uh, you win. This is your mountain. Well, well, See you Robert, later. Robert, See you later, alligator. Maybe Robert wasn't <laughs> as in tune with animals yeah. as you are. He, he thought he'd just say, shoo, shoo, yeah. shoo. And the goat went, you shoo. Yeah. You shoo, Robert. I'm going to knock you out of your shoes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Clap your hands, everybody. (laughs) And everybody just clap your hands. Next story. (laughs) In stereo. Yeah. All right. So um, there's a lot of people out in podcast land, I think, that are really into things like running and cycling. In other words, lunatics. Yeah. 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 They're crazy What is wrong with these people? I don't have... I don't know. I... You know, there's... There is something... I, ugh, ugh. Why would you do that? I don't know. Maybe they're afraid that somebody's trying to kill them. Okay, so anyway, there's a guy in Utah. Uh, his name is Kyler. Well, there you go. Now, That's probably I'm not sure wrong. about the pronunciation of the last name. It might be bourgeois. Oh, he's very bougie. Very bougie. Uh, his name's Kyler. I'll just call him Kyler. He's yeah. 30 years old. and he's Bougie one of, Kyler. He's one of these nutcases who's really into insanity, like oh, hiking, biking, and running. Gross. He lives in the Salt Lake City area, but he's been going to this place called the Antelope Island State Park. It's a 42-square-mile preserve, and it's one of Utah's most popular parks. Um, it also happens to be home uh, to hundreds of free-range bison. Oh. We've heard a couple of things oh, about we bison. We know things about those guys. What's your take on bison as far as their uh, implicit danger level? What do you think? Well... They're the size of a large car. <laughs> right. And. Uh, but they like to be pet and yeah, photos taken uh, with them. Right? My my physics professor once said, what happens when a, you know, immove, you know, a irresistible force hits an immovable object? Uh-huh. I believe the answer was, it's a bison. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're big and they look kind of scary. I, I wouldn't want to get too close to one. So Kyler, he's been visiting this particular park his, his whole life, and he's logged thousands of miles on its trails. Mm-hmm. Um, he often went there four or five times a week, and he's seen plenty of bison, and he knows good and well that uh, he should keep his distance and don't take selfies, you know, and all yeah. those other things. And there's also other animals there like mule deer and bighorn, bighorn sheep. Mm-hmm. Which are, mm-hmm. I think, are those the ones with the curly? Yeah, they have, they have curly. Okay. So this one day, Kyler sets out to climb a trail, and he it leads to the highest point in the park, and something he estimates that he's done over 150 times. So, I mean, he's, mm. he's, he knows he's this familiar. trail. Right. This time, though, as he approached the summit of the trail there, um, he rounds a corner, and there are two adult bison there. Mm. And he's hanging out. As soon as he saw him, he tried to duck back behind something to get out of their sight before they saw him, but it was too late. 
and one of the bison came charging toward him. Now, bison, you may not know this, but maybe you do. They can run as fast as 35 miles an hour. Yeah. So there's no outrunning a bison is the gist here. So the bison collided with him, uh, rammed its horns into his hip and armpit, and sent him flying. When he crashes into the ground, the bison trampled him with his hooves. Yeah. And then just hung around for a bit to see if Kyler would budge again. Yeah. And he said, it's just hovering there waiting for you to move and Mm -hmm. it will finish you off if you do. Right. He recalled. So lucky for him, there were some other hikers that were nearby that witnessed the attack and he was able to not move but say, oh, you know, he asked him to call for a rescue helicopter because he was not able to move. And the helicopter arrived shortly thereafter, transported him to the hospital or as many of our listeners say, They transported him to hospital. (laughs) No articles there. Um, So he had had a collapsed lung. And thankfully, the bison didn't hit any major arteries. And uh, so he was released after a few days. So fast forward 11 days after the incident. And he was back to the park and hiking again. This this time, though, he was safe because he brought some mace. Oh, no. (laughs) Now, I'm not I'm not an expert on bison, but to me, mace, I don't think that would do the no. job. Well, and, anyway. And, and people, regular people can't buy mace. They can buy pepper spray. Oh, okay. Well, maybe they just called it mace. But yeah, anyway. He's mistaken. So the It'd po- be illegal for him to be in possession of mace unless he's a police What if he was a victim o- of a bison attack? Wouldn't matter. He that has to be a police it? officer. All right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the natural beauty of the park overrode his... Uh-huh. trauma from the bison yeah. attack and so he was back on the trails during this recovery <laughs> period and i take it he didn't read about how you actually respond to bison which is not to duck down like a predator would oh no i didn't mention that <laughs> he didn't mention that but then again he did get attacked so i mean maybe what, he's done what, more research what do you think a cougar would do if it was sneaking up on a bison it with- would stand up on its rear legs yeah, it, it, it would uh, it would look and then duck down behind something, mm. right? Isn't that how a cougar would behave? It would be skulking, mm-hmm. which is how he behaved, just as an FYI. Thank you. So while he was getting back to health, he uh-huh. happened to have met a young lady by the name of Kaylee. Uh-huh. So he's Kyler, and she's Kaylee. That is adorable. Kaylee Davis online, 22 years old. Kaylee and Kyler. Sounds like uh, a very fit and attractive and white couple in Utah. Doesn't it? <laughs> doesn't it? They should draw a little heart and put K, K plus and K. K. K plus K. Um, Forever. So they had already been on several dates by the time Kyler asked her if she wanted to go look at the sunset with him at Antelope Island. And it turns out she was already planning on going there that day. She was training for a half marathon. Ugh. I know. Of course she was, right? Of course she was. And she wanted to get a run in. So they got to the park, they picked a trail, one that had a a good view of the lake. I guess there's a really pretty lake out there. Very calm, and it reflects the sunset. It's really pretty nice. Um, So they started off, and Kyler stopped. No cell phone service. I don't know. They didn't mention (laughs) that. But Kyler sent her ahead because he wanted to put on some bug spray, and she was itching to go. He said, I'll catch up with you a little bit. So he was moving briskly to catch up with her when a group of Boy Scouts buzzed by him on bicycles Uh on the trail. And a couple of minutes later, they they came back rushing toward him, saying that a woman had just been gored by a bison. Oh, <laughs> Ms. Davis, Kaylee, uh, would later recount her experience to the local news crew. She said as soon as she spotted the bison, she turned and hopped off the trail to give the animals some space. That's when the scouts rode by on their bikes. Uh-huh. She kind of thinks that maybe the bike spooked the bison. Um, but whatever caused it, the bison took off running right at Ky- uh, Kaylee and rammed her and sent her 15 feet in the air. And when she hit the ground, she remembered what Kyler told her, which was, don't move or make any noise once you hit the ground. I don't know why. I mean, I guess he was anticipating. <laughs> if you get attacked by a bison <laughs> as well. So anyway, she said he was hanging over me, sniffing me for a minute. Can you imagine how freaky that would be? You're injured, you're on the ground, and here's this 
800 pound or 1,000 pound or more beast in your ears. Probably drooling on you and stuff. That'd yeah. be just like our Frenchie. <laughs> yeah, but uh, 1,200 pounds. Yeah. Um, so he was, it was sniffing me for a minute, and he was digging like he was about to charge again. Um, she had a pretty bad injury to her thigh where she had been gored and had broken her right ankle. So she was airlifted oh. to the hospital and was counted as officially the second reported bison <laughs> attack for the year. <laughs> so the two are still dating. Oh, that's sweet. That's so cute. But Kyler is unsure about whether he's going to return to Antelope Island Park. And he says, quote, I generally am not superstitious, but I have this weird feeling that the bison there really don't like me. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, bison, I, you know, yeah. they're they're too big to, you know, take for granted. You just yeah. you just don't do it. You don't. So, no. Anyway. Yeah. Clap I've, your hands, everybody. And everybody just clap your hands. <laughs> Next story. After you tell me what you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Jimmy, don't hit that button so fast. Yeah, Jimmy, come on. No, I was just going to say that uh that if you if you can if you can see them like make out their faces you're too damn close mm-hmm. football field is about as close as you should should be and mm-hmm. football field maybe half a football field and sitting on a motorcycle or in a car yeah so you can take <laughs> off in the other direction should they start running yeah but uh yeah but really 50 yards you know is is as close as you should be maybe half a football field but um the thing is, is that they are herbivores, and so they are not a predator species. So anything that eats plants considers anything watching them dangerous. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. And yeah. so you can't <clears throat> act, the wrong thing to do is act sneaky. You should not, you know, this concept of, oh, I need to hide from them. Mm-hmm. That is wrong. You don't hide from them. What you do is you are uninterested. You turn. You get out of their. T- you turn the other way. You you get out of their territory. You go away. You do it slow, methodically, uninterested. Don't make. You're not. You don't look at them. Slow, deliberate movements in the opposite direction out of the, the most direct route away. So you, Be- yeah. you know, because when you're doing any, you know, anytime you're dealing with a prey species, but one that happens to be larger than you in particular, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have to give them every indication, I am of no threat to you. But when you start doing things that look sneaky, like, oh, maybe they didn't see me. They're going to catch the movement because remember their eyes are on the side of their head. Mm-hmm. They can see a lot. They can, they have a bigger purview than you do. Mm-hmm. And when they see something that's watching them, that hides from them, you are a threat. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I, I wouldn't know. I'm glad you told me that. Cause I wouldn't have known that. I do know how to, what to do with a, a bear. You know, you're in proximity of a bear, right? You climb in a sleeping bag and you, yeah. Lie down on a big white plate and cover yeah. yourself in honey? Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's what Jim Gaffigan says. That's right, do. Jimmy Gaffigan. Yeah. All right. It's very good. All right. So press on, baby. What's your next right. story? Wow. So can you imagine? We're only on the third story. Yeah. Yeah. So Fourth. this, this was big news here in Texas last year. Oh. So Christine Rawlings was 59 years old and the kindest type of person. Gentle and loving. She would drive her little white sedan from place to place as a caregiver for the elderly. Lately, she was out in a rural part of Chambers County for a couple she'd become quite fond of. This is an area all over the news again right now because of the hurricanes and tropical storms because it's 50 miles east of Houston. Mm. Nice, dear, compassionate Christine stepped out of her car, locked it, and headed towards the house. And she was just feet from the front door when she heard the sound of something truly terrifying. She never opened the front door, and she never knocked. She did, however, enter the fight of her life. Jackalope? 
the care the couple she cared for grew concerned when she never arrived. The husband was 84 years old and needed help since his 79-year-old wife had developed memory loss. Since the onset of her illness, they had three caregivers who rotated 12 to 14-hour shifts and helped them with meals and company and all kinds of just wonderful tasks, you know, cleaning the house, mm-hmm. just stuff like stuff they really needed. And Christine was like family. She always drove from the next town over to help them, and she was always punctual, and she had never, ever, ever stood them up. But because of their, you know, the memory loss and whatever, they, they became very confused. And they weren't sure what they were supposed to do when she never arrived. Mm. So they went outside to look for her. Uh-oh. A decision that they quickly regretted because she had been attacked. By what? And horribly attacked. But my God, by what? Sheriff Brian Hawthorne said, quote, it was like nothing we'd ever seen, end quote. The medical examiner ruled the cause of death was exsanguination due to feral hog assault. Oh, the feral hog. She was attacked by wild hogs and died by severe blood loss. Oh. The sheriff says her injuries suggest she did fight back, but it's impossible to know how many of them had attacked her. But based on the varying sizes of the bite wounds, they knew there'd been many more than just one. Hogs today! There are millions of feral hogs in Texas alone, and there is no season for them, meaning you can hunt them year-round, and most counties offer a reward for killing them. They are rarely violent towards people because they are out at night and relatively shy. However, they do 1.5 to 2.5 billion with a B in property damage every year in the United States. Hmm. That said, female hogs average 200 pounds or 91 kilograms, but they can be up to 500 pounds. And if they feel trapped, yes, or are (laughs) protecting offspring, they get very nasty and can become very aggressive. There are over a hundred documented cases of attacks in the United States, but that study ended in 2013, and that's very old. Four of those were fatal, and since this one was just last year, that tells you just how outdated that is. Wow. Right? By the way, Sheriff Hawthorne said this was the worst thing he's ever seen in his 35-year career. Which is kind of like, yikes, you know. A professor at Texas Tech in the Animal Behavior Department believes the hogs may have been sleeping near the home and been startled and felt threatened by Christine's car. And they were clearly female hogs because boars are solitary. Fun but scary facts. Both males and females have tusks. They can run 30 miles per hour, or 50 kilometers an hour, and they can jump three feet or one meter. So Christine really never had a chance. And just FYI, the professor says if you do encounter an aggressive hog or hogs, make as much noise as possible and get to a safe place. Well, duh. You mean I shouldn't lay down, cover myself in peanut butter, and try to negotiate my way out by telling them I'm not that tasty? Well, that's good to know. I'm surprised you didn't say, take out your gun and shoot them right between the eyes. Well, what if I don't have a gun, sir? Well, actually, shooting them between the eyes is not... That's just real- going to piss them off? Yeah. The best place to shoot them is behind the ear. Du- just so you duly know. Duly noted. It's the softest spot on their body. I, I don't suspect that she, when she was getting ready for the day, thought, God, I hope I don't get attacked by a feral hog. Probably not. But you never know. I wonder it, if, the, is that where they get fat back, bacon, from feral hogs? I don't think we, most people eat feral hog. Really? Oh. All right. Well, nice. That was a good one. Feral Terrible. hogs are furry. Yeah. Ugh. Well, you skin them first, right? I don't know. You don't eat the 
outside, unless you have those pork rinds. Isn't that what that is? I think so. Hey, God. Why do people eat those things? All right. Very good. Clap your hands, everybody. And everybody, just clap your hands. Next story. Thanks, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. In 2009, Mm -hmm. a lady by the name of Peggy McNair, Mm -hmm. she was the owner of something called Camel Kisses Farm in Wichita uh, Falls, Texas. Is this a porn story? No. Not camel toe, camel kisses. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Well, no. But might, there might be one out there. I don't know. Wichita Falls, Texas. She gave an interview to something, a, a newspaper called the Wichita Falls Times Record News. That's it's a mouthful. A, that's, that, that is a... She said, camels have... <laughs> Wichita Falls. Camels have gotten a bad rap. Like dogs, if they're raised with cruelty, they will be dangerous. But also like dogs, if they are raised with love, affection, attention, treats, and companionship, as mine are, they will be tame and enjoyable. Of course, there are some caveats. Hmm. Scene. Boy, I, I felt like minute. I was there. I, I need a minute to regain my oh. composure here. She I went didn't a- know camels had a bad rap. Yeah, well, yeah, they do. I thought they like. I thought they were pretty good animals. I mean, yeah. do they have a bad rap? Like giraffes, they don't have a bad rap either. Oh. But as we're going to uh, find they do out, now, right after your story, they well, do. apparently they do. Um, she went on to talk about one of the caveats, which is that she takes extra precautions when the animals are in rut. Oh, you know what that means? I bet. Uh, yeah. Well, the, the definition they had in the article was rut is a male animal's peak period of fertility and sexual excitement. Mm-hmm. Hello, Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so she told the newspaper about two women that she knew of that raised camels as pets. Mm-hmm. You know, crazy people. Yeah. They're probably runners, too. Yeah. Um, they, well, were they ki- run when the camels in rut. <laughs> they were killed. <laughs> they were killed when a male camel knocked them down and planted his front feet on them. A common mating behavior. Oh, that oh that's a way to go. Yeah. <laughs> so, fast forward to 2015. That was 2009. She gave the interview. So six, oh, okay. six years later, she is now 72 years old. Mm. Okay, as you probably picked up from my Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, yeah. There, <laughs> uh, one of the workers on her farm. 53-year-old Mark Meir, around 3 a.m. No, I don't know what he's doing out and about 3 a.m., but there he is. 3 a.m., <laughs> he noticed that the water trough in the holding pen had frozen over. So he went into the pen to get rid of the ice and replace it with water. That's a nice, nice yeah, thing to do. Yeah, good dude. Right? He really cares about these animals. Yeah. In that pen were three camels, two females and a male. Uh-oh. And the male was in rut. <laughs> So the male was acting surprisingly very aggressively, <laughs> and he charged Mir as he tried to get out of the pen, um, and he was trampled to death. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Several hours later, Mrs. McNair discovered she saw through the fence Mr. Mir on the ground inside the pen, and she went in to try and render aid, and the animals that she had spent last two decades raising and defending trampled her to death as well. <laughs> So what do you think the moral of that story is, honey? Follow your own advice. <laughs> what is that? She oh, said, take extra precautions? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she didn't know the one was in rut. Yeah. Well, I believe it's seasonal, so. Yeah, well, she was worried about Mr. Mir. Well, he'd already been trampled to death. I know. Mm. So Put a heater in their water. That would have been the smart thing. Yeah. The long-term solution. Very yeah. good. Clap your hands, everybody. And everybody, just clap your hands. Next story. All right, baby. All right. So my next story proves that stupid is just stupid and nature is just nature. And sometimes the two meet in the middle in a head-on collision. <laughs> okay. This is one of those times. All right. So 41-year-old Marius Ells was a married South American... South African farmer, known for something rather unusual. On his 400-acre farm, he had a pet hippo named Humphrey. I love that name. Isn't that a great name? It's a great dog name, too. 
Yeah. Yep. Marius said, quote, Humphrey's like a son to me. He's just like a human. There's a relationship between me and Humphrey that's what some people don't understand. They think you can only have a relationship with dogs, cats, and domestic animals. But I have a relationship with the most dangerous animal in Africa. End quote. Mm. Mm. Good for you. <laughs> in fact, Marius kept... 20 different species of exotic animals, including giraffe and rhino. But he had, as you heard from him, a very special friendship with Humphrey the hippo. He purchased the hippo when he was just a wee thing at five months old Mm. and even built him a special lake on the property. I mean, the things we do for love, right? This is one of those people we were talking about earlier. It is. Okay. But nowadays, Humphrey had turned the ripe old age of six. He was weighing it at over a metric ton, which is 2,205 pounds or 1,000 kilograms, and standing as tall as a big car, making him no small fry compared to Marius. However, he was in fact a bull hippo, meaning a male, And that makes him relatively little compared to his actual peers, who can be as heavy as 9,920 pounds, or 4,500 kilograms. Marius loved photo ops of him on Humphrey's back and riding him like a pony, and seemed to revel in the attention he got from being that idiot that had a hippo for a pet. It sounds like they had a great relationship. They did. But he also seemed to understand, seemed, that his little buddy's dangerous qualities and had a and powerful nature as well. He said, quote, if he decides to get me off his back, then he throws me over like a horse, and my friends won't even go near him, end quote. So his friends mm. are smarter than him, it sounds like. Perhaps that should be considered. Yeah. While Marius loved to brag that he had, air quotes here, tamed the hippo, there had been some signs of trouble. Mm. A man and his seven-year-old grandson were canoeing down a river. I believe they were hobby canoeists. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, baby. I think that's for those more serious listeners. (laughs) Anyway, they were hobby canoeing. (laughs) And when they were forced out of their canoes and had to climb a tree, terrified when Humphrey chased them and then refused to leave. Mm. Eventually, Marius appeared and was able to lure him away using an apple and saying the excuse that he only approached the pair because he was hungry. Hmm. For what? Seven-year-olds or grandpas? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. So, have we guessed yet that this is going to end badly? <sighs> I, I do. I yeah. So, I bet Marius tried to ride Humphrey one too many times. It's important to note something that I don't think Marius ever considered. Hippos become sexually mature at, oh, go ahead and guess. Six. <laughs> well, a calf is fully mature at five to six years old with males becoming sexually mature starting at age six. Hormones shift. Uh Uh-oh. Wouldn't you have just guessed it? I bet Marius was just not ready for those awkward teenage years. (laughs) Temper tantrums and all of that. (laughs) A spokesperson for a private ambulance service... Oh, Marius. Uh, Revealed that his staff was called to Marius's farm and, quote, paramedics responded to the scene to find that the man had been bitten several times by the animal and had also been immersed in the river for an unknown period of time. This is the same hippo that he raised from a baby? Yes. That is impossible. They had a relationship. He was pronounced dead, but it was unknown how long he had been there, undiscovered, or how long ago Humphrey had actually attacked him. You know, the whole submerging thing. Yeah. So here are some fun hippo facts. Oh, good. They are considered the most dangerous animals in the world, and they kill more than 500 people 
every year. For example, in 2014, a hippo attacked a small, unsuspecting boat filled with Nigerian school children, killing 12 students and one teacher on board. The folks on that boat were unsuspecting because hippos can hold their breath for a full five minutes without surfacing or giving any sign whatsoever they are under the water. Plus, they are aggressively territorial. So when the boat enters that perceived territory, they defend it by attacking. Despite their shape, they can easily outrun humans. Adults eat 80 pounds or 35 kilograms of food each night, mostly plants, to keep that bountiful figure. (laughs) Wow. And Marius was gone. And what happened to Humphrey? I don't know. Hmm. Well. Since hippos are threatened or maybe even endangered, I'm sure Humphrey went to live on a farm somewhere. On a game farm? Yeah, on a game farm. (laughs) Where he's now attacking people who bring their German pointers. Right. And let them run around and attack giraffes. Lovely. (laughs) Well, it's going to be interesting. Clap your hands, everybody. And everybody just clap your hands. Next Next story. story. Uh, Thank you, Jimmy. Um because mine, my next story is kind of, well, it's almost exactly the same, <laughs> frankly. Uh, but our, my story centers on a couple from our favorite state. <gasps> Florida. That's right, Florida. And Ryan and Kristen Yaldor. They were from Fode- uh, Odessa, Florida. Fodessa. 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 Well, it is Fodessa because the real Odessa is, from, is in Texas. And now you're probably thinking they were attacked by alligators or something. No, it's got to be a we've python. Discuss- as we've discussed in previous episodes. No, this one actually takes place at that place in your bucket list. Zimbabwe, oh. Africa. Okay. So as you listen, I'm going to talk to you directly now. Honey. Okay. As you listen to the story, I must remind you <sighs> okay. that this couple was on their dream vacation. Okay. And doing a wildlife tour in okay. Africa. Oh, kind of along the same lines as what you're proposing that we do. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. So just keep it, keep your ears open. Okay. So it's, it's Kristen's 37th birthday. Mm-hmm. And they're in Africa doing their wildlife tour. And they're on a very special part of their adventure. They're canoeing. <laughs> they're canoe on a canoeing trip down the Zambezi River, mm-hmm. and they're in a two-person canoe. Ryan, the husband, is in the back, and she's in the front. Mm-hmm. And uh, are they alone on this trek? I mean, nobody goes trekking down the Zambezi by themselves. No, no Americans that are on vacation, <laughs> right? So there were several other tourists in other canoes, as well as several guides that uh-huh. were going along with them. And there was also a chase vehicle on on land that was kind of pacing them right. or shadowing them, whatever. And the guides had cell phones and handheld radios to communicate with the chase car if, the, if something you know, was to happen. So they're just buzzing down the river, taking in the sights, when one of the guides spots some hippos on the right side of the river. Oh, no. So he instructs the guests to paddle to the left away from the hippos, which makes good sense, I think. Oh. So as they're paddling <laughs> to get away from the hippos, one of them emerges from underneath the Yaldor's canoe and capsizes it. The action of the capsizing, it propelled the husband in the direction of the shore of the the river and the the wife went the other direction toward the hippo and the hippo pulled her under quickly after she hit the water. So the husband, I guess, I mean, I'm hoping he thought that why I don't know. What do you do there? Do you try and fight the hippo to no. save your wife? Well, anyway, he's he's swimming to the shore, and it takes him about thirty seconds to get there. He gets to the shore. He turns around. He starts screaming for his wife, which he cannot see. No. Um, and seconds later, she pops up out of the water, screaming, and her leg, one of her right, I think her right leg is still in the hippo's mouth. And so, to her credit. Kristen began punching the hippo in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Good it eventually her. worked. It, it, it let re- her go. It, re- it released her. And she swam towards shore and they helped her out of the water and a helicopter arrived about 45 minutes later, which is probably a wow. brutal 45. Um, she was taken to a clinic in Zimbabwe and then transferred to a hospital in Johannesburg 
where she arrived a mere 14 hours after the attack. <laughs> I mean, that's far away. It's, it's far yeah. away. I and mean, I can only imagine what that trek was like. So the hippos, wow. the hippos' teeth had caused like a ragged fracture yeah, yeah. Uh, in oh, her you should right see their femur. Teeth. They're terrifying. Uh, they're uh, not. They're not cool. So her femur was broken and, and really jagged, whatever. So she received two surgeries: one to repair the break, and the second Ugh. to, as they in said, Africa. remove remove the dead tissue. Well, this is in, this was in Johannesburg, so it was, still, yeah. Well, oh. she'll more than likely require more surgeries. The couple was unaware of the elevated danger surrounding the hippos because of calving season. <gasps> oh, my God. So that's kind of their rut. Yeah. Yeah. So they had no idea there I was a baby hippo. Survived. A baby hippo was nearby, and the mother was just protecting her baby. Yeah. Wild Horizons is the name of the tour company, and they've been operating in the Victoria Falls area and the Zambezi River for three decades, and they issued the following statement. Wild Horizons. <laughs> Wild Horizons. Oh, wait. Hold on. Let me get to... Edo, let me get to the statement. We would like to stress that while our guides are expertly trained and qualified to manage such trips as these, that every preparation is painstakingly made, but nature is unpredictable. And scene. I'm going to call horseshit on that. Yeah. So you think the season is predictable? Yes. Well, not according to the spokesperson for Wild Horizons Tours. Well, well, I'm just gonna have to ask Nat Geo that. Why would he? Why would he lie? A he. I don't know if it was a he, but it sounded like a he, didn't it? It did. It did kind of sound on like the a on he. recording. Yeah. Um, so anyway, and then I had a note here. Hippos kill about 500 people a year Are in you Africa. Kidding? No, right there. <laughs> so I won't say that again because I yeah. don't want to be repetitive. Yeah. And that's my story, baby. That's the end of my last story. Can oh. you believe we had two hippo stories back to back? Well, since they kill more people per year than like any other, an they're the most dangerous animals in the world. So it makes sense. Yeah. So okay. it kind of does make sense. Right. But so, yeah, but in reality, uh, Given that the seasons in Africa are predictable and you want to have your babies at a specific time when food is abundant mm -hmm. and they are and water levels are the highest because you can hide them underwater, uh, I believe that that is not true. That uh. you can predict when mamas will have babies. Mamas have babies the same time of year every year. Well, I have to disagree because I did read the statement from Wild Horizons. <laughs> All right, baby. Are you ready for... Uh, clap your hands, everybody. And your everybody next story? Just clap your hands. Next, next story. So, uh, you know, we always have to end on the greatest note of all. What's that? So last year was full of interesting things, and this one could definitely be classified as that. Okay. And what has to be the most bizarre, air quotes, incident of all time. This was written like a Hollywood movie if Hollywood was owned by animal rights activists or the <laughs> animals themselves, mm. or maybe even karma. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But it definitely had the horror story ending that makes everyone jump in those last 10 seconds of the movie. And then everyone talks excitedly as they're leaving the theater. You know the type, I right? I do. Mm -hmm. So 66-year-old experienced hunter Thomas Alexander was out hunting in Yellville, Arkansas in October when this strange series of events occurred. Mm. Why October, you ask? Why? Well, it's muzzleloader season. Muzzleloader? Which, after a quick Google search, I learned means the term given to early firearms because they are loaded from the muzzle rather than having a cartridge to insert into the chamber. So you put gunpowder and yes, all that stuff? Yes, Okay. The old-timey. Old-timey crap. Mm -hmm. A more cruel form of hunting, no doubt, since if those things were still effective, we'd still be using them, right? Oh, I see. So it shoots them but doesn't kill them? Is that the... Well, I mean, if it was an effective form of killing, then we'd still use it, right? Not a big fan of hunting. Yeah. Well, as Thomas sat in his elevated deer blind, yep... <laughs> I'm sure he had a bunch of food on the ground, too. Oh, a buck came upon the area and out with his gun, muzzle loader, and Thomas fires off his shot. 
very tricky, Thomas. Not that you actually, you know, tracked the deer. So he hid in a box. Elevated, elevated where he could see so the could entire see thing. And he put some, some food some down to lure them down in. deer down to lure them in. And then yeah, he didn't track the he animal. He leans out of the window and shoots yeah. him? Yeah. All right. So Good Thomas job. then climbed down from the deer blind, which for those of you who don't know, is a little hut on stilts. So, he, you know. Anyway, Thomas climbs down from the deer blind, placed his rifle against the base of the blind, and goes to check out his fresh kill. Mm. And the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission chief of communication said he likely wanted to be sure the poor deer was dead. But see, I'm not buying that since he left his rifle at the deer blind. I think he wanted to confirm how many points the buck was. And check out the kill. If it was for mercy to make sure the deer was dead, he would have had his rifle with him. His muzzle-loaded rifle. Yeah. And foreshadowing here, the story might have ended differently. Uh As Thomas approached the deer, this is when it happened. The incident? You know, the Hollywood ending. Oh. The hunter became the hunted. Beautiful. The deer which was not fatally injured, had apparently been faking the whole time. <laughs> it, waited, <laughs> it waited until Thomas approached, unarmed, the fragile little human that he was. Then it got up and ambushed him, attacking him, goring him repeatedly with its antlers, <laughs> leaving multiple puncture wounds on his body. And Thomas had been hunting alone. Oh, no. He was, however, capable of calling his family for help, who directed authorities to his deer blind, who also called emergency responders. However, he later died of his injuries at the hospital. Hmm. In an ironic twist... The deer survived. (laughs) It was gone before authorities and rescue personnel made it to the scene. A minute trail of blood and a small puddle of blood that did test to be deer blood confirmed Thomas's story. But the deer was never found. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Well. So... Just it goes survived. To show you. Good. It sur- the deer survived, but, but Thomas fate, did but not. <laughs> played dead. It played dead. Wow. They're getting smarter. They, yeah. So they've now started talking amongst themselves <laughs> and said, you know how these humans will play dead whenever the bison attack them? Uh-huh. Whenever they try to shoot at us, that's what we should do. Just lay down and play dead. And then when they approach you, Stab them with your antlers or your horns. They've unionized. They, they, you know what? I think they're plotting. Wow, that's, the, that's pretty that's smart. awesome. I love yeah. that story. That that falls into its own category. It is its own animal ca- karma. Yeah. Wow. It, it, it's in Hollywood. It's a Hollywood story. Well, tell me about your sources, baby. I have quite a few. Yeah, I got a few too. Um, HuffPost, uh, Seattle Times, National Geographic, CNN, USDA, FeralHogsExtension.gov, Daily Mail, Live Science, and ABC News. FeralHogsExtension.gov? Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't know mm-hmm. that existed. Uh, mine were daily. It does. Trust da- me, they are a big problem. Washington Post, Daily Mail, CNN, Ranker.com, The Salem News, and ABC News. And as far as cities, uh, we have some new Canadian friends uh, in Bracebridge, Ontario, and Hampton Park, Victoria. Hello to you guys. Yeah, hi, guys. Chicago, representing strong. Thank you for Chicago. And uh, another uh, couple of new international ones, too, Bantry. In Cork, Ireland. So we've been to Cork, but I don't know Mm -hmm. where Bantry is. But uh, thank you for listening. And our first listener from Stockholm, Sweden. Cool. And I have a special thing to say to them. Tak for at du slisna. Nice. Tak for at du lisna. I'm sure that is horribly pronounced. Tak for at du slisna. It's probably just getting worse. (laughs) Worse and worse. It means thanks for listening. At least that was what I was trying to say. 
Now, one. Yeah, but I did. Why didn't you try for the for the people in Cork? Why didn't you try try to say thanks for listening to them? Thanks for listening, mate. That's <laughs> mate. Did you just do that? I did. That, you know what uh, they say. All oh right. my God! All right, baby. Is there anything uh, else you want to say to our friends before we say goodbye? But you are our friends, despite what he just did. You are friends, mate. There's no mates. <laughs> They're not pirates. All right, baby. Until next time. Live big. Rest in peace. The, the worms, worms are, are waiting. waiting. Goodbye, mate. <laughs>